0: those of you uh, that don't know me, Joe mentioned this earlier, my name is Dave Gambrell. I'm the assistant pastor of Young Adults here at Orangewood Church as of a couple months now. Um, So shameless plug, we're having our first official Young Adults event. Uh, I think it's Saturday the 14th, it's on the back page of your bulletin, as well as information about our Twitter and Facebook accounts so you can kind of follow the Young Adult events. So if you're out of high school, so if you're in college or young single and career, young married, kind of in that range... Come on, hang out with us. It'll be a great time to get to know you a little bit. This morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, which Sophia read for us earlier in the service. Um, it's, a, it's a great, well-known psalm. Actually, how many, did any of you memorize that when you were growing up as a kid? So if you grew up in the church or spent time around Christians, you know it pretty well. I think in Spanish class, I actually had to learn this in Spanish. El Padre Nuestro, and then that's all that's left. The rest is gone. <laughs> But it's, it's a very well-known psalm. It's a psalm written by David expressing his deep confidence in the Lord. So there's a lot of personal pronouns in it, but the way psalms work is they were basically like our worship songs and hymns. God's people would sing them when they gathered together. So as we look at this, this is a psalm that we can lift up to the Lord, expressing our confidence in him as well. Um, so let's take a look at it just one more time because it's It's a a great psalm. I'm going to read, and you can see along on the screen. The scripture will be up there, as well as in your bulletins or along with your Bible. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for well-known and well-loved psalms like this. We ask that you would open it up to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you comfort us where we need comforting? Would you challenge us where we need challenging? And would you draw our hearts to trust and depend on you evermore? We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. There's a lot of things in life that amuse me, uh, but one of those is Christian bumper stickers. I don't know if you guys have seen them. There's a lot going around with all stripes and sizes, ranging from the very simple ones that just have like the one word, like strength or uh, shine, you know, like a cute little picture behind it, or soldier, something like that, to the ones that are even more clever and sometimes a little bit provocative. I saw one that was, who would Jesus bomb? I was like, oh, oh, I see what you did there. Clever. Okay. Um, And then I think one of my favorites, are you following Jesus this closely? It's like, yep, okay, I might actually want that one for my car. That's pretty good. Uh, and then there's the ones I think we've all seen. In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. Or uh, often it's a license plate, too. Jesus is my co-pilot. I still hope you're paying attention, but, you know, Jesus is my co-pilot. And, and they're, they're kind of these cute, fun things, but that's all they are. They're not really something that you can build your life off of. I mean, life's it's hard, it's complicated, it's beautiful, but sometimes it's crazy. And a cute little one-word slogan just doesn't really get it done. The unfortunate thing is that sometimes Psalm 23 kind of becomes that for us. Because we're so familiar with it, it's just kind of this Christian catchphrase that we can almost check out when we hear it. We're used to it at funerals. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. Yep, got it. Or uh, have any of you actually had like maybe a cross stitch of Psalm 23, like hanging in your house growing up? you like a little picture of a shepherd and a sheep on it. I've seen them, so they're out there. Um, which is great. It's super cute. But it it really can be kind of a shame because it turns this beautiful psalm of trust and dependency into something we just blow right past. And my hope this morning is that we can see there is some, some rich truth in this passage that's very applicable for us living our daily lives in, in the hard and wonderful struggle that is our lives. This passage... After actually offers us something much deeper, much more compelling, much more dependable than kind of the catchphrase that sometimes it can become for us. So we're just going to walk through the passage together this morning, basically asking three questions. Okay, what is this passage telling us the Christian life is about? When does it apply? When do we have to actually pay attention? Well, and, and then the fun part that I love, how do we actually do it? So that's where we're going to go this morning. That's the big game plan. We're just going to walk right through it. And so in looking at what this passage is about, I think an illustration can kind of get us there a little quicker. Have any of you ever been skydiving before? First service beat you. There was a couple. Um, Okay, so those of you that don't know, when you go skydiving the first time, they don't just send you up with a parachute and say, good luck. You have to go tandem. And what that means is you become very close friends with a complete stranger because they're strapped to your back. Literally, you're in a harness with about 18 different points of contact to another you know, instructor who actually has the parachute. You don't have a parachute. He does. So you're in this very unique situation, which is you know, it's kind of hard to walk. It's very uncomfortable and odd, where you're putting your complete trust in that guy because... He's the one that's going to get you to the ground safely. You don't have any controls. You don't have the cord to pull the chute. It's that guy. He's got everything. So, you know, when you go up in a plane, which, you know, may have been a small Cessna with no door on it, and you're getting up to about 10,000, and he yells in your ear, hey, when I tap you on the shoulder, you're going to roll out of the plane. Which, if you're a normal human, you're like, wait, what? Hold on. (laughs) But when that time comes, you're going to go or he's going to push you. You really have no choice because you're completely dependent on that guy. He's the one that's got the training, he's got the authority, and if you don't want to end up as a pancake, that's your ticket down. Well, on this morning, I think Psalm 23 is painting a very similar picture of our relationship with God, of what it means to live the Christian life. It's one of complete dependency where the Lord is the one that has the control. He has the authority also, he cares a lot about your thriving, much more than the guy that's with the parachute strapped on behind you. But that's the picture that's being painted this morning, is one of complete trust and dependency, in one who ultimately cares for you very deeply. Okay, well, how do I know that? Sometimes it's good to ask a pastor, like, okay, I hear the words you're saying, how do I actually know that's true? Well, if you look in Psalm 23, and if you pay attention to the verbs, like the action things that are happening, you notice... David's not doing a lot. God's doing a lot. I think David's actions consist of, okay, I'm not wanting and I'm made to lie down. But God's the one who leads him, who restores his soul. He's the one that protects him with his rod and his staff, comforts him. He's the one that feeds him. David's in a place of receiving from the Lord where he's completely dependent for his food, for his safety, for his security on what the Lord provides. So the what this passage is showing us this morning is that the Christian life, or any life really, how you're designed to live, is a life of complete dependency on this shepherd, on this Lord who will take care of you every step of the way. And we're going to kind of define dependency a little bit later, but it's kind of asking the question, where's your ultimate trust? Where do you go when things get hard or tricky? What are you thinking is going to make things okay in life? So that's the what when does this apply? It's a, it's a beautiful psalm that if we slow down, we actually see there's three real pictures painted here. And the first one is kind of the, the beautiful meadow. He, likes, he makes me lie down in green pastures, still waters. You can kind of think of the bubbling brook that's going on, peaceful. You know, I don't, I don't know where your happy place is. It's peaceful and all's right in the world. It may be on a boat out in the ocean throwing a line in. For some of you, or some that are not here this morning It's New Smyrna Beach, you know, with a lawn chair and a nice cold drink with them. I kind of envision this New England lighthouse picnic on the beach, and, you know, this peaceful place where it seems like nothing can go wrong, nothing can hurt you. Even in that place, we have a need to trust in and depend on the Lord. Because the ironic thing is sometimes when things are really good, we kind of forget we need Him. Well, you know, my marriage seems to be going fine, I get the job that I want, or... People like me. Things are going okay. Sometimes we forget that we actually need the Lord. Or we forget that the reason we're in times of peace and security and enjoyment is actually because the Lord is just giving us great blessings. So dependency, even when times are good. Well, in the next scene, we move to something a little bit more treacherous. The valley of the shadow of death. Doesn't exactly sound like a place you want to hang out in very long. Um, it's a weird kind of Hebrew compound word, which basically means like a, a place of danger. It's an image of these deep cut valleys that go throughout the land of Israel. They're basically as high as the ceiling is here, very narrow and, and winding. So you don't know what's around the next corner. So shepherds didn't know if, okay, there's going to be a den of bears that's going to try to eat me and all my sheep when I step around here. Or there's going to be a band of robbers that's going to try to take everything I have right here. So the picture is a place where danger is just around any corner. It doesn't feel safe. You don't know what's going to happen. For most of us, it's a very tempting place to take control for ourselves. And David was a capable man. We know he killed Goliath in the Old Testament. We actually find out he killed bears. He killed lions. He's he's capable. But he doesn't say, you know, when I go through this scary valley, I'm going to handle business. I'm going to take out my slingshot and I'm going to knock stuff down and it's going to be great. He says, no, God's the one that comforts me with his rod and his staff. Even in the place of danger, my first look is to the Lord and the help that he's going to provide for me. And the last scene is, is even more astounding in the presence of my enemies. It's painting a picture of God laying out a picnic table in front of all the people that hate David. And God blessing him and anointing him and saying, I am caring for you. You can trust me even in these situations. Um, You know, we've had a lot of talk lately. Um, We just celebrated the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s March to Washington, D.C. Cool, monumental event. There have been a lot of things marking that occasion. And a lot of people in the Civil Rights Movement knew what it was like to be surrounded by enemies. And the one I thought of immediately, with a little help from my wife, was Rosa Parks getting on, on a hot bus in Alabama and refusing to give up her seat and being surrounded by people that probably didn't understand that or care. She's the weakest person power-wise on the bus, looking around. There's no one probably rising up to help her. It's kind of that picture. Most of us can't relate quite to that, but, but we know what it is to feel like threats and enemies are all around us. And sometimes it's actually real people You've got people in your life or your job, you know, don't like you and really would like to make your life worse. But sometimes it's just life situations. You feel like, man, life is just coming at me. Whether it's work stuff or family stuff, you just feel like you can't take a break. You just, the hits just keep coming. And what this is saying is even in a place like that, God is capable of taking care of you, of walking you through. Even in a place like that, he is completely dependable. And one of the things it's a good reminder of is it doesn't say when you depend on God, everything's great. Nothing bad will ever happen. You'll stay in the meadow your whole life. Things are peachy. It says there's going to be valleys. There's going to be times when enemies are around you. But what it's saying is how you walk through those times is in a place of complete trust of the one who is able to rescue you. Who's able to care for you. Who has the power. Who's completely dependable. So those are kind of the three scenes. And basically, to sum it up, it means we're called to be dependent on God in every possible situation, from when life's really good to when the threat of death is around every corner to when you're actually staring down your enemies. Every situation, we're called to live dependently. Okay, so it sounds kind of like we're still in the bumper sticker land a little bit. Okay, trust God, gut it. I feel like I may have heard that once or twice before. Well, how do we actually do it? going to ask the question a different way. Why was this psalm even written if we know this? Well, because I think for most of us, we tend to like to do the exact opposite. And can you kind of imagine what that would be like if you're with the skydiving instructor? And you're like, you know, I think those four clips don't even matter. We shouldn't attach those at all. No, I don't think you'd do that. Or, you know what? I think we should jump out at 1,000 feet and just see what happens. Let's go crazy with it. We'd never do that. Because we know he knows what's going on. But in life, if you're anything like me, that's exactly what we do. When things get crazy and hard, we look just about anywhere else except for the Lord. And there's, there's kind of several different realms we tend to look to. I mean, the first one I often go to is external things. What can I find that's going to make me happy or make me feel better? And sometimes it's trivial things like if I get the right clothes to fit in okay. Or if I get the nice shiny toys, you know, everybody around here seems to have an iPad and I've got a notepad. (laughs) Uh, Then I'll fit in. Somehow that's going to make my life a little bit better. Or it could be, you know, if I get that job I'm looking for or or that house or that spouse. We put a lot of the stock in these external things. If I can just get that sorted out, life's going to be okay. I'm going to make it. Well, sometimes we look to the external things as a way of avoiding the pain of life. Not because it's going to fix it, because it's going to help us to not even have to think about it. And we turn to things like distractions, like sitting in front of the TV for four hours or the computer. just not So we don't have to think about how hard it is or how confusing or tricky or the conflict that we're facing. It's just a way of tuning out. Or, you know, some, it might be the websites that you visit. It might be so many things you do or certain addictions. Certain drinks make it so I don't have to feel pain. And we're trusting in that to make it okay or to make it doable enough that we can make it through life. We look to external things. Sometimes it's as simple as looking to external people. You know, if you think, if, if my spouse just did things a little bit better, I'd be okay. You know, if, if they figured it out so we could get along better, because that's where the problems are, I'm sure, not here, then life would be okay. Or, you know, if my friends just understood or listened better, or if my kids would just perform well enough, if I could get them on that select team, or for some of you, if I could get them to not throw tantrums for 10 minutes in the grocery store, life would be okay. And we think if we can get these external people to do what they're supposed to do, get in these right relationships, then somehow that's going to make life sorted out okay. Well, I think the worst culprit, the one I tend to turn to most, is I look to myself. How can I make life okay? I depend on myself, and I fall short pretty much every time. But we think to ourselves, you know, if I can just be a little bit better, whether it's maybe I can be a little bit funnier or a little bit prettier, or a little bit thinner, or you know, just a better speaker, or a better employee. If I could just, if I could just figure it out, solve this problem, make the pieces work out, work a little bit harder, then then it's going to be okay. When we get in this rat wheel, if I could just, if I could just, and chasing and trying and realizing, it all tends to fall short, and it leaves you exhausted and disappointed. But that's what we tend to do. We look to anything else. What's going to make it okay? What can I depend on to get life sorted out for me? And that's why we need this passage this morning. When we read Psalm 23, we hear God's voice kind of yelling out to us, Stop! Stop chasing, stop running after things that are so inferior that are only going to disappoint you. And listen when I say, I want to take care of you. I am ultimately dependable. Because the one that's talking to us has kind of proved his resume. We can never be enough. We can never work hard enough to get life sorted out and fix all the problems that we have. But Jesus was enough. He did enough. When we came and through our sin and selfishness made wreck of this world, I think I probably would have put my hands up and be like, all right, you made it, have it. But what did God do? He said, no, I'm going to step into that. Out of heaven onto earth where a lot of you are going to hate me live a perfect life oh and give myself voluntarily to be murdered and then because sin and death and the grave can't hold me i'm going to rise again all so that you can follow me and depend on me as your great shepherd that's the one who stands before us today that's what makes it okay to depend on him because when we're honest self-dependency is a lot easier It is a lot less scary. I think if we did a show of hands, not many people in here would say, yes, I like feeling out of control. I don't like it. My wife can tell you when, you know, I've planned out a date and something deviates, I kind of like freeze up and I'm like, uh, what? No, no, the plan was this. I like being in control. I like knowing what's going on. I like to be the one in the driver's seat. And to think about letting go of that, it's frankly terrifying. And it's a big risk. But the only way we're willing to actually take that risk is if we get an idea of the one when we let go of the things that we cling on to, if we understand the one whose hand we're taking hold of and how rock solid that is, that's the only way we're ever going to actually be able to take that risk of letting go, of letting go of something that's not as good and grabbing on to something that will never fail. So that's why we need this psalm this morning is because we're... We're pretty self-dependent or other-dependent creatures when we're designed to be God-dependent. Okay, so Dave, you said we're actually going to talk about how to do it, and all you're doing is telling me what I'm not doing. Well, if you think about it practically and you look at it, what does dependency look like? Kind of think of the question, what do you tend to turn to first? When life gets a little bit messy on you, when things get hard, where do you tend to go? What's your first response? Is it saying, God, I'm... I need help, I'm in over my head, or is it, I can figure this out, or I can call somebody. What's our first reaction? kind of betrays what we're actually depending on. And it's not saying we don't ever take action, but it's where do we ultimately, what do we ultimately think is going to make it okay? You might think in my head, as long as I've got this, or as long as I can get that, or as long as this doesn't happen, things are going to be okay. What are we ultimately depending on? I think for me, when I was thinking about it this week, which is the danger of preaching a message just because God usually tries to teach it to you first, I started thinking, what are the things that scare me? Because I'll tell you the truth. I do not like conflict. If you're mad at me, I will, I will have a little internal struggle of how to deal with that. Having hard conversations, you know, like even at the checkout line, let's be friends, let's have a positive interaction. I don't like conflict. And what God showed me this week is, you know what, Dave? Maybe that's an area you're not actually depending on me where you don't actually believe I'm big enough and strong enough to take you through a hard conversation with somebody. That I actually can be Lord over conflict and that you can walk through that without fear because you're knowing I'm not going to abandon you just because things get hard. What are some of the things that scare you? And Maybe that's an area where God's tugging on your heart of like, this is a place you don't trust me. And you need to because it's so much better. This morning... We're all coming from different places. And you may be here this morning thinking, you know what? I can still get this life thing sorted out on my own. Or you may be thinking, I already do. I'm where I want to be. Life is going good. My challenge for you this morning would be, those things are all going to fall short. To let go of the rat wheel of chasing and of trying to be enough and find enough and get it sorted out. And turn to God and actually ask for help depending on him instead of yourself. Now, you may also be here this morning, and you've already given up. Life's taking its shots at you, and you're like, all right, I'm tapping out. (laughs) You won. I'm not even going to try at this anymore. And what I hope God shows you through Psalm 23 this morning is that this is not a hopeless case. There is hope, but it only comes when you put your trust in the right person. Not the right thing, the right person. And you may be here this morning, and you, you may not actually have a relationship with God at all. You may be thinking, I'm not sure about this church thing. I don't know about God. I don't know if I'm a Christian. First off, let me say, we're so glad you're here. Hang around. Get to know us. That's awesome. My encouragement would be to see all the things that you try to put your hope in to depend on in the world. Take a closer look. They're all going to fall short and ultimately leave you exhausted and unsatisfied. They're going to work for a little while. That's why we go back to them. But they're not ultimate. They are not dependable. You can't put the weight of life on them. My encouragement to you would be to look and see the picture of someone who comes to you and says, I am ultimately dependable. Put your trust in me. I will not ever let you down or ever fail you. Now, it's, it's scary. It's tempting for us to leave this on the cross stitch or the bumper sticker because dependency does not come easily to us. My encouragement this morning is to see there's something so much better. There is a great shepherd who is ultimately dependable, who you can trust on, who has made it so the promise of verse 6 can be true of you if you're following him. And let me just read that to kind of sum it up. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the promise of walking with this great shepherd. He is not going to abandon you in this life or the next constant, dependable, always. So as we go out this morning, the question that I want to hang, what are you depending on? What are you really putting your trust in? And does it even come close to comparing to the offer of life that the great shepherd gives to you, of the dependability that we read about in Psalm 23. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you never fail. No matter what comes, you never disappoint us. You are always there, always guiding us, protecting us, shepherding us out of your great love for us because that's who you are. Not because we've earned it or ever been good enough, but because you love us because of your great work. God, would you lovingly and gently expose our dependency on things that are not you and help us trade in that which is inferior for for you, which is so much better. This only happens if you do it, Lord, so we ask for it. We ask for it in the name of our great shepherd, Jesus. Amen.